Amen. You may be seated. If, uh, if your kids are grades 6 to 8, you guys can go right now. That's just, uh, Normally there's a slide. Oh, there's a slide up there. So there you go. So uh, I think there's some kids in the service with us and then some grades 6 to 8s. And they have their own teaching session. Okay. So this is the third week. This is the third week of uh, teaching about the practices in our lives that lead us to peace in a world that's full of outrage. And I told, the, I told the band I was going to be really short today. I said, just stay up here. We're going to be really short today. Now, if I'm wrong, I'm going to eat crow on Tuesday like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> I eat crow, humble pie, and sometimes I get raspberries too. Anyhow, um, if I, if I'm, so pray for me that I'll be short. The first week we talked about gratitude in the age of outrage. We, we talked about thinking about good things and training our brains to, to reinforce positive patterns. Uh, we've been learning to thank God for good things and bad things. Uh, we've been turning our anxieties into prayer and adding thanksgiving to those prayers. We did two exercises. One to focus on something good. In that case, it was nature. Do you remember that exercise? And then later on we said, you know, it's not enough just to focus on something good. You've got to bring Jesus into that. So we asked God to remind us of a nature memory that was so soothing and wonderful. And then asked him, where are you in that memory? You might remember that exercise. Uh, but it's important to enjoy creation but give thanks to the creator. We took all that out of Philippians 4. The second week we talked about forgiveness in the age of outrage. We, we talked about overlooking offenses and preventing offenses and forgiving offenses. Some of you hockey fans will remember I said, overlook the hook. Be careful in the corners and forgive the fight. Forgiveness is a spiritual battle. We need God's power to fight. And at the end of the service, many of you put into practice making a choice of the will to decide to forgive someone just like Jesus does and just like Jesus commands. So we're putting that into practice as well. And today, this is the third week of putting things into practice. And I'm calling it stillness in the age of outrage. Let me read to you from Mark chapter 4. It says, The day... That day when evening came, this is Mark 4.35, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in a boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall, that's a storm, came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And Jesus was in the stern, that's the back and the bottom, sleeping on a cushion, the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Let's talk about boats. Do you know the Roman, Navy, the Roman Navy was terrible? The Roman army was amazing. The Roman Navy was terrible. It's because they built their boats like an infantry would build their boats. They put a big metal uh, plank on it with a, a hook on the end so they could ram the other boats, and then their, their warriors, which were the best, could run across and board the other boat. They lost almost all their battles, not to other navies, but to the sea. Whole, they would build these fleets of these boats built like this, and they would go under. Because storms would come and capsize them. They built them too top-heavy, metal planks up top, and, and they, weren't, they weren't good boats. You know, canoes are the same way. I went on a canoe trip when I was younger. I went, I, I was, I went to the shop to the Churchill River, and I was there with my youth group, and I learned, a new, I learned a new term called gunnel grabber. Does anyone know what a gunnel grabber is? Gunnel grabber. Some of you guys do because you've been canoeing. A gunnel grabber is a person who's, when they're in the canoe and they're in the rapids, and the Churchill River has a lot of rapids, when you're in the rapids, you get panicky 
and you do the thing you're not supposed to do. It feels normal, but it's the wrong thing to do. You grab for the sides, the gunnels. Once you do that, you make the boat like Roman boats. You make it top heavy because all the weight that you had, instead of it being centered down to the bottom of the boat because you were sitting, is now distributed to the side. And often it's because you're leaning to one side, you grab it, and you take everyone over with you. So every time someone grabbed the, the gunnels, we'd say, gunnel grabber, we'd point it out to each other, you're not trusting in the boat, you're doing the wrong thing, and it's causing uh, problems. See, the problem with the gunnel grabbers, when they panic, they seize onto the very last uh, onto the very things that will sink them. The second problem with the gunnel grabbers, they, all, they take other people down with them. These disciples with Jesus, even though many of them were seasoned fishermen, were at the, were at the top of the boat looking at the storm. They were at the top of the boat looking at the storm when they should have been at the bottom of the boat spending their time with Jesus. See, the problem with the Roman navy is they put their confidence in what was above the, above the waterline instead of what was below it. And when we base our confidence on what we see instead of what is unseen, uh, we make terrible decisions. Let's go back to our scripture. It says, he got up, he rebuked the wind, he said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to the disciples, why are you so afraid? Why do you still have no faith? They were terrified and they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. If you're in a boat and you see a storm and then you look in the boat and you see someone sleeping on a cushion, who do you think is more powerful? Naturally, it's the circumstances that speak to us most loudly in our lives and say, fear me. Be concerned about me. The storm calls to us and says, it's me that you need to respond to, that you need to uh, uh, be concerned about, even that you need to obey. But in the bottom of the boat, fast asleep, is Jesus. This story, I think, gives us three, three things that, that are, I think they're totally counterintuitive, just like riding a canoe. You always want to grab the gunnels when you're tipping. Don't do it. Here's three counterintuitive points from this story. One, the most dangerous place is holding on to the edge of the boat and looking at the storm. And that's where a lot of times we find ourselves in our lives. There's a storm in our lives. We're staring at the storm. We're hanging on to the edge of the boat. It's the most dangerous place to be. The safest place is at the bottom of the boat with Jesus. That's counterintuitive too. And lastly, we need to get into the bottom of the boat with Jesus, then we'll be able to address the storm. Now, I want to ask you this question. How much have you been in the bottom of the boat with Jesus versus how much have you been looking at the storm? The answer to that question is going to tell you pretty much how much peace you have in your life as a, as a believer. If you're staring at the storm, your peace is going to evaporate. There's one constant you can look to that will bring your peace back. Let me share some scriptures that just keep reiterating this. Isaiah 30, 15 says, This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. Then it goes on to say, but you would have none of it. That you would have none of it tells us about our own human condition. 
that we're not naturally inclined to try to find our strength or our peace in God, in being quiet with him, in trusting him, but we naturally are drawn to putting our trust in what we can do, how we can cope, what we can figure out, what kind of scheme we can come out of it, what kind of escape plan we can make. But he says, in quietness and trust is your strength. How about Psalm 131 in verse 2? It says, but I have calmed and quieted myself. I'm like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I'm content. This is a guy writing this. (laughs) He's observed how children are once they're not clamoring for their mother's milk anymore, that there's sort of a, a calmness in them. And he says, I've calmed myself. How, how, let me ask you a question. How good are you at calming yourself? How good are you at quieting yourself? When anxiety comes up to your throat, how good are you at, at, at calming yourself? We're going to do an exercise on that in just a few minutes. Okay? That's a, that's a big one. Listen to this. Psalm 46.10, he said, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. You can't read that in a haste or doesn't jive. Be still and know that I am God. When you're overwhelmed and fearful, it's not the time to deal with conflict. But that's often when we're in conflict. I'm going I'm to give you a, a quick tip. It's the Steve Atkins trick that I use every time we get together with my crazy family at Christmas. if I'm getting to that point where I'm about to say dumb things or to react and sort of, you know, instead of really think through what I'm going to do or or, or to do something that's going to be good instead of something bad, and if I'm aware, I'm not always self-aware. Believe me, I'm not. But if I'm aware, I go to the bathroom. (laughs) And you say, well, everybody goes to the bathroom. No, no, I go to the bathroom strategically in this case. (laughs) And I quiet myself with Jesus, and then I come back ready to deal. I get in the bottom of the boat with the one who's not fussed at all about how crazy my family is. Here's a question. Can you calm yourself down? Can you quiet yourself? We instinctively know that. We say that to each other when someone else is, is sort of uh, worked up. We say, calm down. We know instinctively that quieting ourselves is essential for decision making. It's, it's also helpful for connecting with Jesus. I always think of Jesus and calm are like the chicken and egg. Which comes first? Well, you can calm yourself and that helps you connect with Jesus. But once you connect with Jesus, that helps you calm yourself. And it's just like, it's a wonderful cycle. So let's do an exercise together. If you're taking notes this morning, write this down. R- write, write the response to these questions down. How are you feeling right now? 
Any tension? Any anxiety? Any distraction? If you're taking notes, maybe, maybe something will come to you. You say, oh yeah, this is my tension. This is my anxiety. This is my distraction. Okay, let's do this. Get real comfortable. We padded the pews just for you this morning. Okay, get real comfortable. And I want you to take a deep breath in. For a count of two, hold it, then let it out. One, two, bring it in again. Hold it, let it out. Okay, just maybe you have tension that's just there. You didn't even know it was there. Your shoulders are tense. Relax them. Relax your neck. Often there's tension in our necks, so just relax that. Lean back a bit if you're not in the best position. Relax your face. Take a break from reinforcing those wrinkles. It doesn't need to happen. Just relax. Okay? Think of yourself like a rubber chicken. You're just going to totally flop right now. One more deep breath. In. Hold it. Out. Jesus. Let's close our eyes as we do this. Jesus, you're the Prince of Peace. We give control over to you. We want to control, but we know if you're in control, it'll go better. Would you give us your peace? You said to come to you when we're tired and heavy laden and you would give us rest. Right now, if you're fidgeting, relax your hands and your feet. Just still. God invites us, be still and know that he is God. Lord, teach us to be still. Our culture values busyness, but you created the day of rest, which means you created us for rest. Take one more deep breath. In, hold it, and out again. Okay, now just put your palms up. You can just put them up on your legs. Now, I just want you to imagine just putting your stress in your hands. Now, we're going to take our hands, and one at a time, we're going to turn them upside down and dump it on the floor. So, first hand first, just, Lord, we give that over to you. And, Lord, second hand, we give it over to you. Now, Lord, we we just ask you to speak to us right now. Where are you right now in relation to us? What do you want us to know today? What do you want us to know about quieting and, and your rest? 
Lord, we think about those disciples in the boat. We just put the storm on pause right now. We see the still frames of their faces. At the top of the boat, they're freaking out. But down in the boat, you are able to speak a word that brings peace. We just see your face right now. How you're speaking the word that calms the storm instantly. Lord, we just imagine ourselves going into the belly of the boat, coming closer and closer to meet with God. Okay, open your eyes. For those of you who are writing, or those of you who are just reflecting, does anyone feel any difference between what you felt before and what you feel now? Anyone? Any some slight difference? Okay. How many think your heart rate went down? Okay. <laughs> Last, uh, this week I had my three-year-old come sit with me on the couch. He did it on his own. I was just looking on the computer. He came up, sat beside me. We're not pet people. We don't have cats. We don't have dogs. We decided a long time ago, my wife and I, that we were going to raise little humans instead. And uh, so he came up and sat beside me, but he did very cat-like things. Rubbed up against me. Rubbed his hair against me. Sort of stretched himself across me. I was like, this must, must, must be what it's like to be a cat lover. And I petted him. Scratched him behind the ears. <laughs> he didn't purr, but he was pretty happy. I thought, you know what? I think sometimes this is what God wants us to do in very simple terms. Just come close to him. You know, he's, in the, he's just reclining on a cushion in the bottom of the boat. <laughs> and just come up and say, hey, you got room on that cushion for me? <laughs> Can I enter into your rest? seems to be a zone around you that's so 100% peace that if I could get into that, all my worries would, would melt away. I just, I just want to get in there with you. And I think that's where he's calling us to. We're going to sing a song together. And uh, this song is going to sort of transition. It's more a little more up-tempo because we're going to move into a time where we're just going to praise and thank the Lord. And I'm going to come back and direct that. But first we're going we're gonna to sing a song and just praise. We're just going to move our hearts into this. Because we've got so much to celebrate. So much that God has done in the life of our church. I just thought, I, I can't. We just got to do it. We just got to praise him. And so I'm going to lead you through that time in a few moments. But I'm going to turn things back to the band. So let's stand together. We're going to praise him. This song talks about God being our refuge. Bottom of the boat stuff. <laughs> 